Welcome, ladies. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is 9.45 p.m. on the 25th of January, 2023. And it's Bell Let's Talk Day. Thank you for joining me. Well, I have to apologize to listeners that came on my show here. I'm sitting here talking and um, my laptop screen went blank and my monitor screen went blank and I don't know what happened there. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again. So if you're on the show listening in, please come back and and uh, join me this evening. Um so, yeah, now, yeah, anyways, um, you know, I did an episode last night. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, um, we'll certainly uh, have a listen. And, you know, and then today, um, you know, I'm on my way to work and uh, listening to the radio in the car and talking about Bell Let's Talk Day. And I totally forgot all about it. You know, because last year, um, I did a, a show on Bell um, Let's Talk Day. And, um, you know, what that is, I'll get down to the bottom of my pages down here now. Hopefully my uh, screen doesn't go. Blank again. So that was bizarre. So what what is Bell Let's Talk Day? It's about mental health. You know, and since Bell Let's Talk Day uh, began in 2010, they have created the world's largest conversation about mental health. And as a result, Canadian organizations, large and small in every region, have received new funding from Bell Let's Talk and from governments and corporations that have joined the cause. And a very, a very good cause, you know. Um, some of the organizations creating positive change, um, that, you know, kicked off the new year by committed uh, an additional, uh, an additional 10 million are, are proud to uh, spotlight 30 organizations creating positive change for mental health. 
Now, something like 1,400 organizations providing mental health supports and services throughout Canada, uh, so, uh, supported by Bell Let's Talk. 5,556,332 Canadians have been supported with access to mental health services through programs funded by Bell Let's Talk. One third of Canadians say they have taken action related to mental health since Bell Let's Talk Day began. We can take action in, in many forms and my action is talking about it. Our mental health is so important for our survival. There are initiatives creating lasting change, building on 12 years of increased awareness and acceptance around mental health. And, and, and you know, Bell, Bell's Let's Talk is a year round um, initiative focused on engaging Canadians to take action to create positive change in mental health. dedicated to moving mental health forward in Canada. And Bell Let's Talk promotes awareness, acceptance, and action with a strategy built on four key pillars. Anti-stigma, because there is a stigma attached to, uh, to, to uh, mental health and one of the biggest hurdles for anyone struggling with mental health is overcoming the stigma attached to it. Talking is an important first step towards lasting change. The annual Bell's Let's Talk Day in awareness campaign has become the world's largest conversation about mental health, encouraging Canadians and people around the world to talk and take action, help reduce the stigma and promote awareness and understanding so everyone can get help they need. I talked about stigma on mental health. And for an example, um, with stigma, so, uh, a member of the family, um, you know, has, has a, a mental, a mental illness. And then people say, well, well, the rest of the family must have it. You know, that's, you know, stigma with association. And that's not, and, and that's not, and that's not true. Just because somebody in the household has a mental illness, it doesn't mean everybody else does. 
And in 2012, Bell established the world's first anti-stigma research and chair of the Queen's University to, to continue to advance anti-stigma research. One billion four hundred ninety-one million seven hundred seventy-four thousand nine hundred fifty-five messages of support shared on Bell Let's Talk Day since twenty eleven. That is just huge. A hundred and thirty-nine million five hundred eighty-eight thousand seven hundred and 47 in Bell funding committed to Canadian mental health initiatives. You know, right now, too, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going through times that we haven't seen. You know, We haven't seen inflation this high in 40 years. You know, on average, you know, Canadians are going to spend, you know, about another thousand twenty dollars more this year just on groceries. The cost of Buying a house is skyrocketing. Cost of renting has skyrocketed. And depending, you know, depending really, you know, where you want to rent. You know, for instance, if you live in Toronto, a one-bedroom apartment is twenty-two hundred dollars a month for one bedroom, and that's not even in the downtown core. Here in the city uh, where, uh, where I reside, London, Ontario, is is you know, rents have have gone up thirty seven percent. You know, one bedrooms now, you know, uh, on average, on average of uh, fifteen hundred dollars a month. Minimum wage, you know, as far as I'm concerned, is stagnant. And I still feel that minimum wage, you know, it's an insult to workers. And for and for the hours that we put in and for the for the commitment that we put in. in the labor that we put in it doesn't even it doesn't even justify 15 15 hour that's the base pay that employers have to pay now of course there's higher starting hard uh, higher starting jobs and you know education is going to play a factor in that Higher education.
But jobs like, you know, working in the grocery store, working at a coffee shop, working at a variety store. Um, working in retail. Even in health services like PSWs. You know, the wages are just far too low. I mean, and then we think, well, that's just going to just drive up the cost of stuff. Well, I believe that just to be partly true. Yes, things are going to go up. Yes, the company has to be profitable. Yes, they have to offset their costs. And then we want to know why groceries cost so much. People were struggling before, but more and more people are struggling today. 20 years ago, you know, it, it, it would be like, you know, you would hear one in five children in Canada, in Canada to go hungry. That shouldn't even be happening here in Canada. People are upset. People are angry. People are looking to the government for answers. People are blaming the government. People are blaming the grocery stores for, for the groceries being so expensive. You know, one thing about freedom of, of, of expression um, here in Canada is that we are allowed to criticize our government without any recourse, just as long as we're not threatening the government or individuals of the government. We can criticize our government. And, and, you know, I sit back and, and, and I think to myself, well, who, who, who's in charge, who's in charge, yeah, you know, um, of the interest rates? You know, what, one thing, one, I'm going to go here because, you know, I'm going to exercise my freedom of expression about the government. Here in Canada, we have, have a minority government. Sometimes we have a majority government and there's a difference. So the party that gets to lead the, the country, you know, if they get a majority government, then they can pass all laws and bills without any votes from other parties. And with a minority government, the government elected does not have full reign of the country. <clears throat> Pierre Peliev says, why are Canadians so angry? 
Well, we're angry about inflation. We're angry about the cost of living. You know, we, we, we feel that, the, you know, the government isn't doing anything. It, it, and it's not just one party. It's not just the liberals, not just, you know, it, it's it's the liberals, the conservatives, the NDP, the Quebec, that's in federal government, the, the, the uh, bloc, the Green Party, independents. I've watched the session um, uh, of Parliament. And then Pierre Peliev wonders why people are, are, are so angry or angry about a lot of things. But part of what, what makes me, you know, mad or and want to express have have my expression, you know, on the government. All Pierre Peliev does is just criticizes. the government in the House of Commons. He doesn't talk about real solutions. Bashing the liberals every single day in the House of Commons. Now there's one politician that comes to mind um, He was uh, the type of pol uh, politician that believes that government, whether it's a majority government or a minority government, that all parties work together, try to solve the problems and issues that we're having in this country. You're giving Canadians what they need. People say, oh, the liberals are the far radical left. Well, think about what you have right now. Conservatives have done nothing except for criticize. They're the far radical right. The NDP is in the middle. It is the only party in the House of Commons of taking the initiative to stand up. And work with the liberals. The House of Commons, the federal government, actually resumes. Um, they come back to work, I believe, at the end at, at the end of the month. I believe it is. They get a pretty long, you know, holiday. 
you know, before Christmas and after year, New Year. So the whole month of January and stuff like that. So they come back at the end of the month, I guess. You know, um, but the government is always functioning. You know, the government, you know, hasn't gone anywhere. You know, you hear from time to time from the politicians. You know, so, um, but still, just think about all, all the, the stress, you know, and all of the um, anxiety um, that a lot of Canadians are feeling today. You know, people are worrying about losing their homes. People are worrying about being evicted. People are worried not being able to afford their rent. People are worried not being able to put food on, on their on their table, keep their lights on. You know, how my you know um, clothing clothing the kids, putting gas in. in gas in our car so we can get to work and earn a paycheck. And all these things, you know, keep adding to our stresses, our stressors. I don't even know what to make of it. I, you know, I, I, I really don't. I, I really don't know. I don't know what to make of this. You know, and then I, then I, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, before I started my show, and um, who controls the in, the interest rates? At the Bank of Canada, just I think they they raise the interest rates another like a maybe like a third a point. So the Bank of Canada, in Canada, interest rates are determined by the policy of the Bank of Canada. The demand for loans, the supply of, of uh, available lending, capital interest rates in the United States, inflation rates and other economic factors. Canada helps the Canadian gover government manage the economy by setting the bank rates and controlling the money supply. Uh, who regulates the banks? Federal government does. We have rules and regulations in this country. But everything was happening right now. People are just blaming the federal government. The liberals, it's the liberals' fault. Groceries are too high. It's the liberals' fault. Who can who who controls the oil? OPEC. Separate entity. You know, you know, Canadians, you know, it, 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 look at the, I mean, we're in a healthcare crisis in this country. 
It's ridiculous. Our premier of Ontario. You know, we have a lot of backlogs in a lot of areas in our healthcare. Partly because of the pandemic. We've always had backlogs. Probably not to this extreme. But where we we're sitting at and with the with the with the extreme of where we're at is because from the pandemic. The overwhelmingly sick people that ended up in the hospital with COVID. How are you doing this evening? Hope so far that you're having a good week. So today um, is um, Bell Let's Talk Day. And it's about mental health. Talked about mental health on, on, on my programs um, several times. And, you know, today, I mean, you know, here in Canada, you know, um, with the, with the, like I was talking about earlier with, with, with the, um, the, the cost of, of, of buying a house, you know, the cost, you know, of rent increases going up, cost of food going up. You know, where wages go up usually is, is in, you know, government jobs, union jobs, you know, but companies who are not uh, unionized, you know, um, like a coffee shop, some grocery stores are, a variety store, No wages. You know, you know, the wages people, uh, you know, people making under $25 an hour, you know, it is it, not keeping up with inflation. You know, minimum wage, you know, here in Ontario and minimum wage differs from every single province across the country. You know, here in Ontario, the starting minimum wage base uh, base wage is fifteen dollars and fifty cents an hour. I mean, businesses are paying beyond that, but not that much more beyond that. You know, maybe it starts at seventeen dollars an hour, maybe eighteen dollars an hour. But that still falls far below what a livable wage would be. How long, how long are, are things going to keep going up? Inflation rates keep going up. Bank of Canada, again, raised the rates again. It's the highest that we've ever seen in 40 years. People struggling to pay the rent. People struggling to put food on the table.
you know, and that adds to our, our stress and it adds to our anxiety. You know, we have, everybody has problems. But this all, all what's happening is, is adding to what, whatever stresses and anxiety we already have. And it keeps increasing. We have a healthcare crisis here in Canada. I, I you know, I honest, I, I, I honest, honestly believe that governments don't even know what the hell they're doing. I honestly believe that. One of here, here's an example. First of all, hospitals are not meant for long-term care. Hospitals are meant for you go in, you're sick, they help get you better, and then you go home. Our long-term care centers are for long-term care. Facilities are full and they've been full long before the pandemic happened. It has nothing to do with the pandemic. They've just been full. So our hospitals have been full of patients throughout this pandemic. Wait times in the emergency are, are 20 plus hours. They want to make room. I get that. So what do they do? They turn around and they, and they say, okay, um, the people of the elder, the elderly people that are here in the hospital and, and has been here in the hospital for, for a very long time. We are going to give them five choices of, of a long-term uh, facility of their choosing. If their first choice is not available, they must take their second, third, fourth, or fifth. And if they refuse, we're gonna charge you $400 a day. And you can be moved anywhere from 45 mile, uh, of radius and upwards to almost 60 to 70 mile radius away from your family to make room, to make more room in the hospital. This is one of their solutions. When already the long-term care centers are full. Something like a two-year waiting list to get into long-term care. So far, that hasn't fixed the problem. Now, uh, uh, another thing, this, this is Ontario. This, so the premier of Ontario. So another solution that they come up with 
is that, okay, we have a lot of uh, backlogs um, in, you know, like for minor surgeries, you know, for maybe for CACs. You know, for an example, you know, wait times for that, CAT scans, MRIs. So their idea of, you know, reducing, you know, minor surgeries, let's just take the Ontario taxpayers' money and give it to the private sector. And they can do the MRIs, the CAT scans, the cataract surgeries, or, or whatever the case may be. We won't have to pay for it. We just show them our health card and whatever, you know. But we should be taking, let's say they're, you know, they, they saying something like $20 million, just for an example, we're going to give this to the private sector. We need nurses. We have a shortage of nurses right across the country. So another idea that the, the, the premier comes up with Ontario you know, he says, okay, you know, because uh, you, you you just can't transfer, well, you can in, in perspective, you know, um, we're just making it easier for nurses to transfer from their province to come to Ontario. You can work in Ontario. So we, we would like to have more nurses come to Ontario and work in Ontario. We have a shortage of nurses across the country. How is that going to fix the problem? And the wait times in our hospitals. Our paramedics, the people who drive the ambulance, they pick up a patient, they bring him to the hospital. They have to so so they're so they're put in queue. And they have to stay with that patient. until they've been assessed by a doctor. Paramedics have been saying that, so they get somebody there to the hospital for eight o'clock, you know, you know, you know, let's say their shift is, is, is done at five o'clock in the morning. They've been with that patient from eight o'clock at night till five o'clock in the morning, they go home. And then when they come back in the next day to relieve the other paramedics, that patient is still waiting in queue to be seen. And somehow, somehow premier Doug Ford thinks that, Oh yeah, any nurses can, you know, now transfer easy, you know, to Ontario, you know, to fill the gaps in the nursing sector, when we have a shortage of nurses across the country, that doesn't even make any sense. It makes no sense. And it makes no sense that, yes, I understand that hospitals are not a long-term care facility. I understand that. We have long-term care homes. But those long-term care homes, like I said, they're full. And they've always been full. And so by giving 
the elderly who are in hospital and they've been there a very long time because there's no no available spaces in the long-term care and they've been given five choices uh, of a long-term uh, long-term uh, home of their choice <clears throat> and if their first choice isn't available then they must take the second or third or fourth or fifth and if they refuse we're going to charge you four hundred dollars a day and we can mute and, and we can uh, move you and you could be 45 minute 45 mile radius and onwards almost up to you know a hundred mile radius from your families how do you think this has worked out so far It hasn't fixed anything. Nothing. I really feel we have it backwards. We have it wrong. And what this, what this Canada needs in, in, in every single province and territory is home care funded by the government. We keep families together. But they, 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 they don't want to go that route. Oh, it's too expensive. But it's okay to give our taxpayers money to the private sector. But you won't give it to home care sector. You, you won't create a home care. You won't create a home care health system. You just rather just give our money to to organizations that profit. Private institutions. And who owns those private institutions anyways? Private practices, not private practices, but who owns um, for profit? Who owns them? Does Americans own them? Somebody from Britain own them? Who owns them? Canadians own them? I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. For a short for a short term solution, I can deal with my tax dollars going to private. Not a long term solution as they as they made it and it's going to stay that way it's going to stay that way for as long as Doug Ford is premier if somebody else steps in in the next election we we vote premier Doug Ford out you know say you know because he he's he's a uh, head he is uh, the conservative party then we have the NDP party then we have the liberal party Maybe from maybe we vote for somebody for uh, the Liberal Party or the NDP party because they're going to step in. They're going to put that to a stop in a hurry. This should only be a short-term solution. We need to fix the solutions in, in, in the hospital on wait times and on beds 
and on patient care. We need to have regulated long-term nursing homes, not a free enterprise. And it needs to be regulated by the government. It needs to be run by the government. And we need, if they want to do this, then we need long, more long-term care homes. So we're going to build more long-term care homes. We're going to fill them as fast as you build them. I am at the tail end of the baby boomers. I was born in 1963. The cutoff was 1964. And there's millions of us. Where are we going to go if we need more care? You know, and we talk about mental health. You know, this this uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, and and you know, how many people you know they have helped, and you know, and then you know, there's there's more and more people going to the food banks. Food banks has been around for thirty years. The food bank was was only supposed to be a short term solution. And then here we are 30 years later and more and more people are turning to the food banks. And people find themselves in, in, in these situations where they would never thought this would ever happen to them. Pandemic didn't help, you know, because all the non-essential businesses were shut down. Walmart was able to stay open because they sold groceries. Costco was able to, to uh, um, stay open because they sold groceries. But Costco sold a whole bunch of other stuff. And they could sell that. And if any non-essential businesses were selling that, you know, like outside of groceries, they couldn't open anyways. Walmart could open because they sold groceries. So you go to Walmart and buy whatever you want. Costco, you go buy whatever you want. But the other non like the, the other non-essential businesses couldn't open. You know, I'm talking and I'm talking the shopping malls. Every single store in there was a non-essential business and they sold clothes. Walmart sold clothes. They didn't have to close because they sold they sold groceries. So you go there and buy clothes. Same with Costco. Record breaking profits. People already making a low wage, living paycheck to paycheck. And then they can't, can't go to work because you know, we're, in, we're in lockdown. Yeah, the government helped out, you know, give you $2,000 a month. And you had to, you know, um, qualify for it. You know, there, there might have been, you know, some misunderstanding in the wording and everything, you know, in, in, in uh, on how 
you qualified, though people were applying for it, and then find out at the end that, oh, no, you, you, don't, you weren't qualified. You have to pay that money back. It wasn't free money. The government, the government doesn't give you free money. You have to pay tax on it. So you end up paying, you know, $500 in tax. So it was wise to maybe, you got $2,000, it was wise to set some money aside, you know, when it's tax time because you're going to pay tax on that. Yes, it helped a little bit. They helped, they, they helped businesses. You know, um, Canada probably did more for, for businesses and, and people and stuff like that than, than other countries did around the world. But when you're on a low, you're making, you, you have a low wage. Then all of a sudden, that's all that you have coming in. And then, um, then it gets uh, transferred over to employment insurance, which, you know, you only get 60%. So then, then it was less than $2,000 that what the government was giving you. And like I said earlier, I mean, you know, we, everybody has, has, um, problems in, in one form or another mental illness, you know, stress and anxiety. A lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are hurting. And this is this bell talk day is just so important. And, you know, they, they have, um, um, oh, uh, um, back to this, <clears throat> pop up the screen here. Get all the way down to the, the positive impact of, of, of everybody's interest. So, um, here, here's one here, uh, apart. Uh, so, um, so the, so about bell talk day, you know, this started like 12 years ago and it's become a year round initiative focused on engaging Canadians to take action, to create positive change in mental health. Dedicated to moving mental health forward in Canada, Bell Let's Talk promotes awareness, acceptance, and action with a uh, strategy built on four key pillars. Anti-stigma. And believe me, there's stigma tied to mental illness. I've talked about stigma uh, and mental illness before on my podcast. 
one of the biggest hurdles for anyone struggling with mental illness is overcoming the stigma attached to it. For an example, someone in a family in the household has a mental illness and um, so everybody else does by association. That's one of the stigmas. It's just one. That's not true that just because one person in the house has a mental illness that everybody is. Stigma by association. The world's largest conversation about mental health encouraging Canadians and people around the world to talk and take action to help reduce stigma and promote awareness and understanding so everyone can get the help that they need. One billion four hundred ninety-one million seven. 4,955 messages of support shared on Bell Let's Talk since 2011. 139 million five hundred eighty-eight thousand seven hundred forty-seven dollars in Bell funding committed to Canadian mental health initiatives. Their initiative in September 2010, they launched the Bell Let's Talk Mental Health Initiative, the largest corporate committed to mental health in Canada focused on four key action pillars. Creating positive change together. And while much remains to be done, together we can we have they have accomplished so much to move mental health forward. Explore the timeline below to learn some of these milestones. Bell Let's Talk, starting a national conversation. Mental health with an additional commitment of 50 million. Leading by example, Bell launched their new workplace mental health programs and mandatory management training to better support team members. February 20, February 2011, first ever Bell Let's Talk Day. And it gets Canadians, people around the world talking the world's first anti-stigma research chair. Bell Gateway Building opens up at, at, the, at the CMHA. National standard, standard for Psychological Health and Safety in the Workplace. Now let's talk and true patriot love partner to support military families.
100 million messages of support. And this trend, this, you know, Bell's um, um, hashtag Bell Let's Talk and mental health uh, trends worldwide. And Canada leads the way in creating the world's biggest conversation about mental health. And the Bell Let's uh, the Bell Let's Talk campaign features real Canadians living with mental illness from coast to coast to coast to show mental illness can affect anyone. Let's let's uh, bells. Let's talk uh, commitment renewed to twenty twenty five. So bell. Let's talk renewed until twenty twenty five, with a total amount of one hundred and fifty million for Canadian mental health initiatives. And later that year, the total increased to one hundred and fifty five million, with an additional of of five million in funding in response to COVID nineteen. I don't think we talk about it enough, you know, and, 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 you know, everything that's happening now, you know, with, with inflation. The average, the average, you know, uh, grocery bill, you know, for 2023 is going to cost Canadians additional thousand, I think they said around a thousand and twenty dollars more a year. You certainly don't walk out of the grocery store with what you used to for for, for the bang of your buck. You know thefts have gone up in the grocery stores? Pretty sad that people have to steal stuff, put food on their goddamn table. You know, stealing is wrong. It's a crime. Could be charged. Could criminal record. No, we shouldn't steal. You know, I mean, we could talk about, you know, what is a livable wage? And a livable wage is going to, you know, differ from, from province to province because, you know, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal are one of the three most expensive provinces to live in. So livable wage, you know, it's going to differ. You know, here in Ontario, we are the largest populated province in Canada. Nearly half the population of Canada lives in the province of Ontario. 
we are the highest taxed. We pay a lot of taxes. We are the highest tax. And we're not getting the bang for our buck. Especially when the province wants to give our, our hard-earned money, our tax dollars that we pay, want to give it to the private sector. I disagree. I, I, I disagree on it being a permanent thing. I agree it could be short-term. But we haven't even fixed our healthcare crisis. Not even close to being fixed. The provinces want more money from the federal government. They want more transfer payments for our healthcare. Right now, the federal government is putting uh, tra money transfers uh, at about 21%. The provinces wants it up, moved up to 32%. It used to be 50-50. And the government, the federal government just, you know, over the decades and stuff like that, just slowly reducing the transfer, how much money they're going to transfer to provinces for, for their health care. But the provinces have to get their room in order. Meaning they got to clean it up. Put things where they belong. What works and what doesn't work, you, 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 you move it out. And you put in something that's going to work. The federal government is telling the provinces, get your house in order. And then we'll talk. And then we'll talk about how much. And yes, there's going to be string attached. Uh the leader of the ND part, uh, the leader of the NDB, uh, NDP party in, in the in the federal government. You know, when, when we're talking about um, health care money transfer from the federal government, and he's saying no money to the private sector. So private clinics. And here, Doug Forbes is acting as though, acting as though that this is his money, that he's taking this money out of his wallet and, give it, and giving it to the private sector clinics when in fact it's not his goddamn money. And, and, and I see... The, the leader of the ND party in the federal government, I see his point, I agree with him, that we could make better use of that money to even clear up the backlog 
of, of patients that need. I mean, I mean, eventually it's, you know, they're like, he's starting out with just basic like cataract surgery, MRIs, CAT scans, you know, to clear up that kind of a wait list. That's fine. But no, but eventually it's going to go into more serious surgeries like hip replacements. And this is going to be permanent. And they're going to be sending more money to the private clinics. Yes, we won't have to pay for it out of our pockets as, as Canadians. We just show them our health card. That's not the point. Because then the private clinics want more money. On a short-term solution, I'm okay with I, I I'm okay with it, but not permanent. I mean, they can't even get their own house in order, and, and they just you know just they would just throw money around, throw it everywhere, not throwing it in the right places. You know, people who come from other countries. And they were a doctor or a nurse. And they come here to Canada and they want to be a doctor or a nurse and they have their credentials from, from the country they came from. They can't practice here. If they want to practice here, well, then they have to go to nursing school and they have to start from scratch. They don't recognize their credentials. If they have their credentials, if they have nursing credentials, you know, you know, maybe turn around and 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 give them, you know, uh, test them on their credentials. So give them a test. And if they pass that test, then let them practice nursing. No, we're not, no, not going to do that. No, like I said earlier, then the Premier of Ontario is, is saying, oh, we're going to make it easier for nurses to transfer from other provinces, come to Ontario and work on Ontario. Meanwhile, they have a shortage of nurses as well. The whole freaking country has a shortage of nurses. How's that fixing the problem across the country, not just here in Ontario? You take from Peter to pay Paul? How does that work? It doesn't. It's not going to fix it. What's going to fix it is you're going to hire nurses and you're going to pay them a decent wage to do it. And they should be allowed the people who rate to Canada and, and they and they had their nursing license from the country that they come or where they came from. And they have all the credentials. So you give them so you give them the Canadian so you give them the the, the, the Canadian exam on nursing. 
And if they pass it, then they can then they can work in the nursing field. The government doesn't see it that way. Oh, it'll cost too much money. It's ridiculous. How much is how much is everybody's health worth? Can you put a price on it? People dying in the emergency rooms because they can't even get in to see a fucking doctor at the hospital. They go in there feeling really ill. Six hours later, they're dead in the chair. They haven't even seen a doctor. How the hell does that happen? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We have so many problems that, you know, everybody's, oh, I mean, yeah, it's a great country. Sure. You know, of course, I'm, I'm Canadian. You're going to say I live in a great country, obviously. It's like Americans saying America's the best country in the world. Or the country where you live in. And maybe you live in the year. You know, maybe you live in Britain. Oh, Britain's the best, best place. You know, but we love our countries. But when we have inept politicians, and inept health ministers, who doesn't have a fucking clue of, of, they don't even know what the hell they're doing. They just don't. Yeah, let's just take the taxpayer and just throw it at the factor. Let's go fund them instead. Give them the money. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it's Trudeau's fault. It, it, Prime Minister Trudeau's fault. Just blame. We just put the whole country on his back. Everything that's wrong with this country is Trudeau's fault. How the hell does that work? We've had the liberals in power. We've had the conservative, the, uh, the conservatives, uh, conservative party, you know, in power. And yes, if something's not functioning properly in, in government, you know, it's like that, then we blame that, that party. It's Trudeau's fault because the, the interest rates go up. Federal government regulates the banks. Regular banks, so in, in regulation, in, in law, the banks just, you know, can't mess with the money. I mean, look at the, look at the banking crash that happened in the United States. That would never happen here because of the regulations that we have in this country. Look at how many, look at the billions of dollars the, Ameri the, 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 the American government spent on bailing out the banks. So they, have, they have no regulation or very vague regulation or the banks just broke the fucking law. The banks, 
that what I want? Yes, this is what I want. Okay, so. I was sitting here earlier, you know, before I started the show. And funny thing, you know, I, I, I started the show like at 9.35. And then somehow, someway, my, my laptop screen goes blank. My, my, my screen, uh, my monitor that I have my show up on goes blank. It's like, what the hell? It's like seven minutes into the show. I had to start the show all over again. So then it started at 9.45. So, um, who, who, so who controls the interest rates? In Canada, interest rates are determined by the policy of the Bank of Canada. The demand for loans, the supply of available lending capital, interest rates in the United States, inflation rates, and other economic factors. The Bank of Canada helps the Canadian government manage the economy by setting the rate, the bank rate, and controlling the money supply. People will beg to differ. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. It's Trudeau's fault. Trudeau's fault because of the inflation. I just told you who controls the who, who controls the, the interest rate. The Bank of Canada does, not Justin Trudeau. But you can't you can't tell these 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 um far right radical wokes anything. And then I was sitting here. Um, what else was I thinking about before I was sitting here and, and starting the show? I gotta scroll down here because I put it in here. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Bank of Canada. Who controls inflation in Canada? The Bank of Canada is is legally mandated to promote the economic and financial welfare of Canada. This includes maintaining low, stable, and predictable inflation. New New Bank of Canada mandate maintains inflation targets, um, but keeps an eye on on the job pictures as well. The bank. How's, how's that got anything to do with the federal government? The federal government sets out the rules and regulations that the banks must follow. The Bank of Canada just raised the, the interest rates another, I think, of another um, one-third percent. Now we're at four. Now we're at four point five percent, highest we ever seen it in forty years. Hoping this is going to scave off a scave off a, 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 a recession. Well, we're just new into the new year.
Who sets who sets the prices at the grocery stores? The grocery store, the the owners of the grocery stores do. Who sets the prices of all of the commodities that we buy? The suppliers. Wages go up. They got to pay their employees more money. So therefore, they got to set, uh, have, 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 you know, offset the costs. And the grocery stores are buying from the suppliers. And, and the suppliers have raised their, their prices. And then it go, they, they, they buy the food, cost of transportation. And it doesn't matter what happens, ladies and gentlemen. The grocery stores are always going to make a record profit because we have to eat. We have to eat. You know, fast food used to be one of the cheap, used to be one of the, one of the cheapest things. You used to be able to go to, to McDonald's and, and, and have a, a, a Big Mac fries and a Coke for $6. You go to, to McDonald's today, you get a Big Mac, a fries, and a Coke. $13.95. I'm not making that up. I go to my favorite pub on the weekends to watch a hockey game with my friends. Half a half a, a a wing and rib combo, something around fourteen ninety nine. Now it's twenty dollars. You get a um, you order a hamburger and a side of fries. That's not including your beer. So a hamburger and a side of fries is $18. And, and they have specials throughout the week. So maybe Wednesday night might be, uh, you know, $12 hamburger fries night. So you want to make sure you can get on a Wednesday night and get it for, you know, for $12. I mean, so we go there Saturday nights. I'm not going to get that special. And, and, and you know, so I, 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 I'll sit there and, um, so the place I go to is called uh, Winks, Winks Pub. And so I'll, I'll order a big Winks. And, a, and that glass holds like three beers. And 
you know, that would be $10. It's a good deal. It's like three bucks a beer. Awesome. If I ordered a pint, that'd be about $8. So why wouldn't I order the big wink and the glass holds three beers and drink five of those? So that's 50 bucks. Plus my my uh, hamburger and fries at $17.99. Let's run it up to $18. So there's $68 plus tip. <clears throat> so it might come out to like $75 or say $78. That's just my bill. <clears throat> That's expensive. So wages went up. Well, they got to pay the staff more money. They're paying more money for their supplies. And they're going to pass it on to the consumer. And Canadians are going to pay 120 more this year for groceries. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. People can't even afford to buy a house today. Not just for, for, the, for the price, the average price. The average price is about 650000 650000 That's average. And that only depends you know, where you're living. That average may be different in Vancouver. Maybe the average cost of a home in, in Vancouver is 750000 Or... 800,000 in, in uh, Toronto for the average cost. Here in the city of London, you know, here's like 650,000. So, uh, supply and demand is another factor. Then, then, you know, people, you know, so nobody's moving anywhere. So people want to go rent. Well, it's a wait list for an apartment or a townhouse. Never mind the wait list for social housing. For social housing, it's years that is unacceptable yes we're now starting to build some more social housing we still have a seven-year waiting list and anybody who needs social housing and they need a unit of a disability unit that's 12 year waiting list, waiting list. This is just unacceptable. They haven't built social housing since the eighties. And we never kept up with the population of building housing in something that is affordable. People outbid, outbidding everybody like last year, people outbidding 
people houses going, you know, 150,000 over asking 200,000 over asking. You know, either the house was only worth 400,000, they were getting 550,000 for the house, 600,000 for the house. You just put so many people out of, out of the market that there's just no possible way they could afford that. Just the average cost of a home in the city where I reside in $650,000. You'd have to make 150000 a year. ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and we wonder why you know more and more people you know there's not you know people already with a, with a mental illness and then you know people you know now adding you know now getting all this stress and all this anxiety stress stress ladies and gentlemen is not good obviously and it can lead to other issues if it's not addressed. If you don't grab a hold of it right away. And this is why it's so important, you know, for the last 12 years that we have, we have this Bell Let's Talk Day. Canada is the leader. Canada is the the one that started this whole let's talk day we're the pioneer behind it grab a hold of it use it there are people out there working in the mental health that can help. So if you or anyone you might know that they are having problems, talk about it. They get some help. I want to thank everybody for coming on the show and listening. I thank you for that. And um, I did, you know, the, you know, I, I had planned for a show uh, for tomorrow, and and I don't know, just it, it was a super busy day. We got a lot of snow here across the region here in Ontario, and I. I I heard about it, you know, weeks ago that, yeah, you know, Bell's Let's Talk Day is coming up, you know, uh, on the 25th. So I did my show last night and then, so I booked it for Thursday. So I booked the show for Thursday. I'm thinking, no, I got to come out here tonight because this is a really important this is a really important thing. This is huge. Have to talk about this. But I will put up a show for tomorrow too, because, you know, I'll be out tomorrow as well. And I'm going to try to get out here a lot more. 
you know, um, I know there, there was, there, there was a past a couple weekends because Jenny was just done on the, done on the weekends. And I know there were some weekends that I missed, you know, because I had some issues on my own. And I had to, you know, I had to deal with it. So, and then, you know, as a, as I'm working through things, you know, I'm thinking, I, I just, you know, I can't just stop doing things. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I have this podcast. I have over 400 shows. I have over 4,000 listeners around the world. I have, um, I don't know, 500 possibly followers and stuff like that. And, you know, starting this like three years ago and just doing, just being a weekend podcaster. I, I look at that as a good thing. So I'm saying, yeah, okay. You know what? I was, I was at a low point and I had to deal with it. And dealing with it, but I, I can't, you know, just say, you know, tell you I'm going to do a show that don't do it. You know, that's not good neither. It's not good for me as in any of your listener or your follower and you come on my show and I appreciate it. You know, then, you know, your listening content starts to fall back. Your listeners, you know, okay, you know, you listen, you listen not just to my podcast, you listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm going to be out here a lot more and I, and I think it's good for me, you know, um, something just, it, it's, it's not a fix, right? But it's just, it occupies, it occupies me and you know, I enjoy your company. So I'm looking at it, you know, looking at other, you know, positive, you know, thinking positive. So, um, yeah, so I did schedule, uh, I did schedule a show for tomorrow, but I go back in and I go and edit and then, you know, made tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's show today. That I'll make a show for tomorrow. And um, yeah, I got home a little bit later today because of the weather, you know, so um, I think tomorrow's going to be, it's going to be uh, much better travel wise and, and, and stuff like that. So um, I'm thinking 830 Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. And um, I'm going to put that show up tonight after I'm done with this one. And I hope you can join me at 8.30 p.m. tomorrow night on the 26th of January. So, again, I want to thank everyone for coming out here and joining me. And enjoy the rest of your evening and your week. And if you can join me tomorrow at 8.30 p.m., that would be great. If you can't, I understand. 
But until we meet again, thank you and good night. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Ben, from Ontario, Canada. 